Acts chapter 1 this morning. Acts chapter 1. Let's take what challenge to bring you as we go into a new year as a church. And, uh, and let me say, I love LifeGate Bible Baptist Church. LifeGate Bible Baptist Church was uh, where I got saved. It's where God called me to preach. It's where God has done much of the work in my life that he's done in my life. He's done it through this church and through this people. And of course, I'm the pastor of it, so obviously I have uh, a deep interest in it. But when it comes to us moving ahead in the time to come, there's a burden on my heart, and, and it's this. Uh, unity. We need unity in our church. There needs to be unity in the church. You know, <clears throat> God always uses unity when he's going to do something. And we need to be careful. Now, I don't want to rebuke you this morning. What I want to do is I want to help you. Because I think that sometimes we can so easily miss the issues that lead to unity. You know, this week in the, in the conference, for those of you that were there, it was a wonderful blessing. You know, <clears throat> and I was greatly helped by it, probably more than by any other conference uh, in, in the past. Just greatly helped by, <clears throat> by being able to look at it through somebody else's eyes and to see, see some things from God's perspective. But <clears throat> one of the things that I know can hinder us is if we're not unified. Now you say, how can we be unified? We're as different as chalk and cheese. We're, <clears throat> we're spread across the planet in our origins, and, and not only in our origins, but uh, you know, <clears throat> in our backgrounds as well, and where we come from and what we're doing. We're, how, how can we have unity? Well, we can. We can have unity. Now, it won't come because we're all the same, because we'll never be all the same. It won't come because we all agree on everything, humanly speaking, because we never will. We're going to see things differently. Things are going to be different for us. Unity comes when we center around the Lord Jesus Christ and plan for it as people. It doesn't come, you know, just because we're all going to agree. It's not going to happen. It comes when we center on the Lord Jesus Christ. But <clears throat> the book of Acts is, you know, the, the clear lesson to us in <clears throat> God moving mightily in his church. Right? We see uh, <clears throat> everything breaks loose. The Holy Spirit comes and souls begin to get saved. And it is, it's incredible. You look, you, you read through the book of Acts and you just see uh, where will this all end? Because it's going to, it, it, it is flying. Right? But a key note in the book of Acts is this term unity. Now we're going to just look at four of them real briefly. Catch the verses uh, tonight. But Acts chapter 1 verse 14. This is before the Spirit came. Right? <clears throat> And it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Right? So they were all in the upper room and they were praying. But key issue is they were of one accord. They were of the same mind. They were of the same mind. Now, again, everything in their lives wasn't the same. But they had the same mind, the same focus. Now, look with me at Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. This is Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and we know the rest that happens there. But notice the thought again. They were of one accord. They were of the same mind. Uh, <clears throat> look at chapter 2, verse 46. This is interesting because what we've got here now is we've got the new believers that have just been saved, and um, <clears throat> they're going on for God, and and they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Right? So these new believers with one accord, with the same mind, continued on. That was the life of the church. And then look at chapter 4. 
And verse 24. <clears throat> Persecution has begun. Uh, and verse 24. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. And they prayed for boldness. But they had one accord. Right? Now, there needs to be unity. I, I don't remember where I read it, but I remember reading this illustration and it struck me. The, when God wants to fill us, <clears throat> fills, when you want to fill something, it has to be whole. If we take a cup uh, from, <clears throat> from the kitchen and we, we go to fill it with water, well, we, we, we can put six or eight ounces into that cup. If we break the cup and we try to fill the fragments that we've got left, we're probably only get, going to get one or two ounces, if that, into it. That it's when there's a unity there that God can actually take and God can fill with his spirit and God can bless. And there needs to be unity. Uh, that's a key issue for us. And <clears throat> unity is going to cost us something. Unity always has a price tag on it. Now, the ideal in our selfish way would be for everybody to unify around me, around you. That's not going to happen, is it? Uh, <clears throat> in, in order for us to have unity, we have to give, give up what we want in order to have ultimately what the Lord wants. Right, so that's a word of prayer, and then we'll begin to look at this. Father in heaven, would you bless us uh, <clears throat> today? Would you help us, Lord, as we look to this? Dear, we thank you for this church. Thank you for the work you've done in it. Thank you for the blessings that you've poured out upon us and continue to pour out upon us. Thank you for the sweetness and the love of a people that come uh, together to worship you and to praise your name. And Lord, I do pray today that you'd let us take the message to heart, Lord, that you would protect us, Lord, from the enemy and protect us from uh, his desire to tear down and destroy now, blessed Spirit of the living God, Lord, would you anoint me for what needs to be said today? May I say exactly what you want me to say? And Lord, <clears throat> may it not be tainted in any way with what I want. And Lord, we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. First key issue with, <clears throat> as far as unity is concerned, walk with the Lord. If we're not walking with the Lord, we won't have unity. Because the center of it has to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he's not the center of it, there's not going to be unity in, involved in it. Uh, somebody said it's like the spokes of a wheel. The closer you actually get to the center of the wheel, the more unity you have. And the closer we get to the Lord, the more unity that we have. You see, we're all different. We're all vastly different. And you're not going to sort out our differences uh, just by talking us through and us agreeing on a, on a common plan. The, the common focus, the common goal has to be the Lord. You see, we look in the book of Acts, very clearly that's the case. The case is that <clears throat> the, the Lord is the center of it all for them. Jesus has gone back. Uh, they are praying and waiting for him. He's told them to tarry and wait, and he's the focus of it. He's the one accord. When the Holy Spirit came, obviously he was the focus of it. With these new believers, obviously the, the Holy Spirit was the focus of it, and, and there was one accord. And, and when they were praying for boldness, obviously the, the God was the center of it. Now, here's the thing for us. If we're going to have unity, each one of us are going to have to develop the relationship with God that God wants us to have. See, what happens in your quiet time is not something that's kind of just your own between you and God. It's something that affects the whole. We sometimes forget that, that what we do privately actually impacts us corporately. You know, <clears throat> if a dad does wrong, it impacts his family. Achan's a great example of that. Achan did wrong. Nobody knew about it. There wasn't unity. They, they thought there was unity, but because of what Achan was doing privately, there wasn't unity. And God had to deal with it, and it cost him and his family their lives. Now, <clears throat> they say that a chain is as strong as its weakest link. 
And I understand, you know, everybody's not flying spiritually and everybody's not in the place where maybe they would like to be. But here's the deal. The deal is that if we're going to have unity in the church, each one of us have to be seeking the Lord fully. And we will have, the, 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 the greater our heart for God and our seeking after God is, the greater the unity that we're going to have in the church. By the way, that's the same in the family. That's the same everywhere. You know, when we will have unity when we put him first and when we're seeking after him and going after him uh, with all our hearts. You know, the, the, the first issue as far as unity is concerned is walk close to God. So in 2013, if you want to help the church, the best thing you could do is get really close to God. Bar none, that's the best thing you could do, get really close to God in your own life. Secondly, though, uh, <clears throat> Focus on the right in others, not on the wrong. You see, <clears throat> when it comes to looking at people, we have the ability to look at people and see so many wrong things, don't we? Now, oftentimes they're wrong because they don't agree exactly with us, but we look at them and they're wrong. And we can, listen, we can focus on the wrong. We can focus on the wrong, and listen, it can become a mountain for us. All the things that are wrong. But the Bible tells us whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, Think on these things. You know, one of the key disciplines of life that even, you know, uh, the self-help gurus will tell you is get your thinking straight. Start thinking positively. Now, it's not thinking positively in the sense of, you know, whatever you think positively about you can have. But when you start thinking right, it affects and impacts your life. When you start thinking right about the people around you, it affects and impacts your life. Listen, if you're married... And you consistently think wrong thoughts of your spouse. You consistently allow yourself to be critical of your spouse. You put a huge breach in your marriage. There's no unity in the marriage. You know, and you're, you, you, you may be saying in your heart, well, you know what, if they would get things right in their lives, and yeah, that would help, but you know what? A bigger issue is what you've got to do is you've got to stop thinking wrong thoughts. You've got to stop focusing on the negative. You've got to stop focusing on, the, focusing on the problems that are in, in, in that other person. Because as long as you're focusing just on the problems, what's happening is, you know, you're constantly critical. You're constantly driving a wedge between you. And the same is true in the church. You come to church and you've got people from all over the world at this point and uh, all different nationalities, all different ways of thinking, all different stages in life, all different, different statuses in life. By the way, that's the way it's supposed to be. Christ is the common denominator. It should be, you know, that, that it's not... <clears throat> Uh, just one particular little people group. It's, it's from all over. But you've got people from all over. You've got all different kinds of ways of thinking of things. And you know what? Listen, there's not going to be unity if, if we're looking at all the differences and wanting everybody to be the same as us. That's not going to happen. We've got to understand, you know what? There are differences there. There are people that see it differently than, than we do. And we've got to come to the place where we focus on the good. And you know, it's amazing when you focus on the good, how... <clears throat> easy it is for you to be happy about the situation. How easy it is for you to care about people <clears throat> when you focus on the good. See, we, we looked through the, um, <clears throat> through the last year. Well, obviously in the presentation, we don't show all the bad things that happened in the, in the past year. Right? <clears throat> you know, if we were to pick it and focus on just the bad things, you'd be feeling completely differently now. Do you know that? If we were to just emphasize and focus on the negative things that happened in this past year, it would make you feel completely different. The same is true in your relationships. The same is true in our church. It's coming to the place where we actually focus on the good in people, not on the bad. And that helps us so much. <clears throat> but it's almost as though our perverse natures wants to find fault. It's almost as though, you know, <clears throat> our, our natural tendency is to find fault with people. 
is to be a critic of, is to look at them and find fault with them. Don't do that. Don't, don't focus on the good in the people around you. And I guarantee you, if you focus on the good that are in the people around you, it will help you in all your relationships. And I mean all your relationships. You know, the Bible says uh, even about your enemies. What does it say about your enemies? It says love your enemies. Now, it doesn't mean you make yourself vulnerable to your enemies, but it, it tells us in Matthew chapter 5 what, meaning, what it means to love your enemies, right? You're to um, bless them, speak well of them. You're to do good for them, and you're to pray for them. And you know what happens when you start doing that? Things start changing for you. You see, when God tells us to, <clears throat> to think on the good, he knows us. He knows us. And sometimes we get into this puddle of criticism. You know, this person's wrong, and that person's wrong. And, and, and then we get together, and we talk about all the, all the wrongs that are in those people. And it just, what it does is it destroys unity in the church. Third thought is this. Don't be a gossip or a critic. Follows fast on, the, <clears throat> on, on, on that second thought. Now, go, gossip is idle talk or rumor about the personal or private affairs of another. And again, I don't know why. Uh, I think it's got to do with the sin nature. But humanity seems to take a joy in it. I was reading up on the secular uh, deal. I was re- re- reading up about gossip. And it was talking about the benefits of gossip. And one of the benefits of gossip was that it unites a smaller group of people. Now, you never thought there was... But it does. You know, well, there's, there's nothing like a common enemy to unite us. And, 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 and that's what it does. But when it comes to the church and there's, there's, there's gossip and there's criticism, what it does is it divides, it puts wedges. It pulls one group close and puts other people on the outside. And it really does damage. Now, let me give you some thoughts here as far as um, gossip is concerned. Now, by the way, when you're talking about people, you know, and Christians often do it in terms of, listen, pray for. Now, check your spirit there. Are you really asking for a prayer for or are you just covering your gossip? You know, that, that, that's a very... You know, does this information need to be passed on? Maybe you should just pray about it yourself if you're that concerned about it. But does it need to be passed on? Because when it's passed on, you know, what it does is it affects other people. You ever had somebody say something to you about somebody and you started looking at that person differently? You start looking at that person. Your perception of that person is different because of what was said to you about them. You know, listen, passing gossip on is, is a dangerous deal. <clears throat> Let me give you some of the problems with it. First of all, <clears throat> it's not true, or at least not fully true. You see, you, you, can, you can talk about what's going on with me, but you don't know. I could talk about what's going on with you, but I don't really know. I don't have all the, in, the information. I can make my guesses. I can make my assumptions. But I can't actually know what's going on with you. The only way I'm going to know what's going on with you is if you're honest enough to tell me what's going on with you. That's the only way. <laughs> you see, we, we don't know what's going on with other people. But we often, very often, make snap judgments on people's motives, on what people did. And then we pass on those snap judgments to somebody else as though they are fact. Because gossip is never, you know, <clears throat> you know, gossip never gets covered with, well, you know, I think this might be what's going on with them. When you, when you, give, when you give gossip, these are the facts. Don't ask me where I got them because I can't tell you, but these are the facts. Now, they're not the facts. Because you really don't know. Now, understand that, that you don't know. that when you, when you look at a situation, 
You can look at it, you can perceive it wrongly. I had an issue, an issue, an issue recently with somebody, and um, <clears throat> I, I dealt with the situation. I dealt with it in a, in a, in a good way and in a loving way, um, <clears throat> but the other person reacted dreadfully to it. And somebody else said this to me. They said, I wasn't there, but I'm sure it could have been handled better. Now, don't we often do that? We look at the results of a situation and we say, you know what? I'm sure it could have been handled better, even though I didn't hear, even though I wasn't there to see it. And what we do is we set ourselves up as judge, jury, and executioner. Listen, there's only one righteous judge, and that's not you. The righteous judge is the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to understand we don't know what's going on. Unless people are honest enough and able to tell us what's going on with them, we won't know. Don't judge. You, you, you're not going to, you, you can judge people's actions to some extent, and we need to at times, but you know what? Don't judge what's going on in their hearts. Don't have that critical spirit where you're the one that's judging everybody according to your standard. Huge amount of pride involved in that. Secondly, <clears throat> even if it's true, it may not be helpful to talk about. Did you ever hear something and it just defiles you? Now, it was true, but man, I wish I'd never heard it. I wish I'd never had this information rolling around in my mind. Sometimes, even though it's true, it doesn't need to be passed on. It doesn't need to be... You know, listen, it's hard enough for us to keep our minds straight about people and to to think on the good without somebody coming and filling us with all the bad that's in their minds about somebody. So, you know, even if it's true, it may not be helpful to talk about it. It may be better off just left unsaid. Just pray about it. You and God, listen, God can do something about it. God can change it. <clears throat> you know, unless you're going to go to the person and be a help to them in it, you know, maybe it's better off unsaid. And then it hurts people and destroys unity. Do you ever have somebody look at you and you know there's something on their minds, but you've no idea what? You, you know, and, and they respond to you differently, and you know there's something going on, but you've no idea what. Now, they can't really tell you because somebody else said it to them, and they're not going to dob them in it. But they look at you, and what's happened for them is they've actually adopted a perception of you that's based upon what somebody else said, and you have no right of redress in the issue. You have no right to say, well, now hang on a minute. That's really not what happened. That's not not the truth in the situation. Now, you've been there yourself. You've you've had people misconstrue... Uh, what you said, what you did, and, and, and it's hurt you. Listen, it so often happens. And I'm not saying that people set out to be bad all the time, you know, and to tell lies about somebody. But so often, the judgments that are made are not true. And when you get one person making a judgment and passing it on in gossip to another person, and they make their judgment on top of that, and then it's passed on to another person in, in, in gossip, and they make their judgment, listen, then there may be no basis, in fact, to, to the whole thing at all. Do you ever do Chinese whispers? You know where one person whispers uh, a sentence to the, to the first person and they each whisper it and it goes around the room? It's absolutely hilarious what comes out at the end of it. There's no bearing on what was started first. Oftentimes that's what happens with gossip and it is a destroyer. Now, your sin nature, my sin nature, listen, we get drawn to that kind of thing. But you know what? It's an enemy of unity. It's an enemy of unity. Um, look at Proverbs chapter 17. Just a couple of verses here for you to catch on this one. Proverbs 17, verse 27 and 28. 
He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Now, the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And that the things you say can have a huge impact upon people. And <clears throat> the things that you let out from your lips. And the Bible says that a wise man holds his tongue. That a wise man doesn't just cut it loose and let it run. That he doesn't just talk. And let people know what's going on in his mind. That he actually keeps it. And it's not because we can't communicate or we're not to communicate, but because here's the deal. So often what we're saying can be damaging and dangerous to people. And there's nothing more dangerous than gossip. You know when James talks about the tongue, that it's like a fire, that it's set on fire, that it's like the rudder of a ship, that it steers great things. Oh, listen, wisdom says, be careful with your tongue. Be careful with your tongue. It can do huge damage. Don't pass on gossip. Something for you to remember, by the way, is, and this is always true, always true, and you know it's true, right? Uh, The person who gossips to you will gossip about you. Always true. So, so, So what do you do when somebody brings gossip to you? You shut it down. I don't want to hear. You say, that's offensive. Listen, If we're going to have unity, there needs to be a certain point where we actually take a stand on things. There needs to be a certain point where we just put up a brick wall to it. No, we're not not doing that. You know, know, an angry countenance, the Bible says, driveth away a backbiting tongue. It silences it. You know, if people are constantly bringing gossip to you, you really have to ask yourself, what is it in me that makes me a good sounding board for gossip. Why is it that I'm a good person to bring gossip to? You, know, you, you, you need to ask yourself that question because there's something in you that's attracting it. You need to say no to it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not involved. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be involved in that. All right, number five. Number four, rather. Don't allow parties to develop. We are a widely diverse group as I look out upon you. We have Polish people, we have Irish people, we have men, we have women, we have Nigerian people, we have Filipino people, uh, we have all kinds of people. And I probably missed out somebody, I'm sorry, okay? Uh, We have all kinds of people out here today, right? Now, it's easy for us to develop into parties. It's easy for us to bring it into the place where, you know what, listen, uh, I'm part of the Polish group. I'm part of the Filipino group in the church. And, you know, we set up our own little group within the church. You know, and when you do that, what you do is you, you, you set up a group that, 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 that really is separating from the rest and causing uh, a lack of unity. We're one church. We're, we're not several churches within a church. We're one church. You say, but we're, we're, we're different. Yeah, we're different. You know what? God intended us to be different. If you're married, listen, your wife is different to you, isn't she? Uh, women, your husband is different. And the women all say, yeah, he's very different. Right? Do you know that God intended the difference? It's not, by, it's not by accident. And he didn't intend it just to annoy us. He intended it to actually help us to become like him. You know, when God puts differences in the church, he does the same thing. He doesn't want you to just separate into your own little group. He wants it to be one group. He wants it to be one church. It's not a case of our different groups within it. And we're not supposed to pick different leaders, you know. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 
1 Corinthians 3. Verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither indeed yet uh, now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Let me say this, envying and strife is a sign of carnality. Now, I don't know how you work this. I know that in, in humanity, a competitive spirit actually helps us to excel. But there are so many downsides to a competitive spirit. There are so many downsides to envying in the way that it causes strife. It can do great damage in the church. It can do great damage when you're envying somebody else for their gifts or for their beauties or for, or for <clears throat> their money. or for It can do horrible damage to the church because we're one body. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to care for each other. <clears throat> we're, we're supposed to weep when one weeps and, and rejoice when one rejoices. We're supposed to be in the place where, as a body, we're, we're thrilled with, what, with what's happening for each other. That we're, we're supposed to be blessed by other people's blessings. But when we get to the place where we're envious and we're carnal, we tend to work out reasons why people have got the blessing. Right? <clears throat> you know, uh, in Armenia, Frank, Frank will tell you this, right? <clears throat> in Armenia, mafia are the crime people, Right? And um, anybody who's doing well in Armenia, uh, the comment from the Armenians is, oh, mafia. You know, if, if they're doing well, they're doing well because it's illegal. Right? <clears throat> you know, and, um, that, but that's the spirit of humanity, isn't it? You know, if somebody's doing well now, oh, drugs. Right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, listen, you know what? God blesses people. And God will bless other people around you. And you're supposed to rejoice in that, not feel bad about that. You're supposed to step up to a new level and be blessed for them. Be happy for those people in the church. Envying and strife just kills. You know, when we, when we start comparing ourselves one with another, it just kills. Listen, everybody in this church brings something different to the table. Everybody brings something different. You don't bring the same as somebody else. You're not the same as somebody else. You were never intended to be. You're intended to be a perfect you. You may not be perfect yet, but that's what you're God intended, a perfect you. And what you bring in the situation is what's needed in the situation. And if you don't bring it, the situation is going to lack. But you don't have to be somebody else. Isn't that what Paul's talking about when he's talking about the gifts? You know, the different gifts are get, get given to, to different people. All part of one body, though, he says. You know, so we need to understand, you know, <clears throat> the, the people around you are not to be competed with. The people around you are a blessing because when God blesses them, effectively he blesses you because we're part of one body. So we need to get over the idea of divisions and, and, and parties in, in the church. That, that can't be. That does not help us in the least. You know, it's not a Filipino church and a, and a, and a Polish church and a, uh, an Irish church and, a, and an RU church. It's not like that. It's one church, all serving God. We're one body. That's the intention. That's the plan. That's what God was doing. And that's the only way we'll have unity. If we separate out into different bodies, you know, <clears throat> then we're going to have a problem. We're going to have a difficulty. We need to see ourselves as one unit, one church, 
We are the church. We are LifeGate Bible Baptist Church. So don't allow parties to develop in the church. Listen, it's just carnal. Now, let me say this to you. I'm not going to stay long on this. Don't run down authority. Right, now, I realize when I start talking about authority, obviously the focus is on me. But let me say, this, this, is, a, this is an important issue for us. Right? When you run down authority, what you do is you run down people's ability to follow authority. Now, just for a moment, imagine an army where the authority structure broke down in the army. Well, <clears throat> it really can't do anything. You know, we're not going to do that because, listen, we, we could get killed if we did that. Why do we have to do that? You know, and what happens is an army without authority can't function. It ceases to function. Now, I realize the ultimate authority of the church is the Lord Jesus Christ, and I am so thankful for that. I am so thankful it's not ultimately me, that, that we're looking to him. But you know what? When we get to the place where we're not under authority, we're in trouble. When we get to the place where we won't follow authority, we have a problem. We can't function as the unit God intended us to function as. And it's, it's a key issue for us when it comes to unity, just the ability to follow authority, to submit ourselves. It's arranging ourselves in order so that God can lead us to do what he wants to accomplish. And <clears throat> that's a key issue. Now, when we run it down, when we tear it down, and listen, I don't get it all right. Okay? <clears throat> I understand that. I, I, I know I don't get it all right. But when you start running down authority, when you start competing with authority, when you start giving your side of it over authority you do a disservice to the church and to others around you. And, and let, me, let me plead with you for your kids. When you tear down authority to your kids, you do them such a damage because ultimately they put all authority in the same basket. Your in- authority included. And because all authority has a question mark over it, you know what? They're going to be in trouble because they're going to be under, under authority from somewhere all, the, all their lives. Don't run down authority. <clears throat> Number six, we have a common cause. And our common cause is and always will be the Great Commission. That's it. That's where we're going. That's what we're about. You know, <clears throat> I've said it before. When LifeGate loses its burden to reach people with the gospel, listen, let's close up shop and um, go join a country club of some kind because, the <clears throat> because we're no longer a church. LifeGate has to be about reaching people with the gospel with every avenue that we possibly can. You know, and key thought in all our ministry needs to be, listen, we're about the Great Commission. We want to reach people with the gospel. That has to be. And, you know, that can't just be the overarching theme of LifeGate. It has to be the reality of our hearts if we're going to have unity. The church is never more unified than when everybody is focused on the gospel and getting out there and doing it. It has an ability to draw us together because we've got a common cause. We've got a common focus. You know, in wartime, people know unity in, the, in, in their countries like they don't, they, they rarely know it other times because they unite in a common cause. When the church unites in a common cause, the Great Commission, we have unity. We're focused. We're going somewhere. It's, it's about something. You know, <clears throat> When we're not focused upon the gospel, when we're not focused upon reaching people with the gospel, we tend to be drifting to some extent in our own personal life. And when you're drifting, you're dangerous. Uh, I don't know how many times my mother would say, uh, the devil makes work for idle hands. And usually the work the devil makes for idle hands is trouble. But when we're focused and we're moving and we're involved in the gospel, listen, you know, things are happening. It gets exciting. And there's a unity because we have a common, common bond and a common cause. Now, 
Let me say this, and let me give you this challenge. I'm not going to spend the morning on this. We're we're almost done here. But, you know, I realize that for some of you, the gospel is a bit daunting. But the Lord Jesus Christ knew that. He still gave you the Great Commission. There's got to be a way that you can be involved in the gospel. We have Tuesday night calling. We'll do Saturday night calling. Listen, we'll help you and get you set up at any other time you can possibly do it. But you need to be involved in the gospel. It's not just about building the church, although that's God's plan. It's about simple obedience. The Great Commission says, be involved. You've got to be a witness. You've got to be talking to people. And I I, I understand that for some of you that's so daunting, but you know what? The Bible gives you a promise. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. That if you'll do it, he says he'll be with you. He'll enable you. You know, We need to be witnesses. We need to have that common bond, that common focus, that common goal. We need to be moving. When you're not involved in the gospel, what's happening is you're not involved in the cause. And sometimes you're wondering, what am I doing here? See, you're not here to be comfortable. You're you're, you're not even here to be blessed by the music. You're not even here to, to get the preaching so it helps you straighten out your life. You're here for a cause. His cause. And when we unite around that cause, all of a sudden we're an army moving. And when an army is moving and we've got a common cause, you know what happens? The differences fade away. We're the same. Because we've got the same common cause. You need to be involved in that cause. And then finally, love one another. Take care of each other. Now, I realize that you probably don't love everybody here in this room today, right? Naturally, at least. And if you do, it's probably because you took something this morning that you shouldn't have taken, all right? Be- be- because we're, we're very different, right? <clears throat> but you know what? <clears throat> the truth is that God can put a love in our hearts for each other. I love the word agape because the word agape is not some, you know, <clears throat> a wistful feeling that I hope I can catch for everybody. Agape is a very practical, real thing. It's Doing good for others in its basic form. It's the idea of doing good for others. Right? And you know, <clears throat> I can love my enemies with agape. Because I can do, I can, I can uh, bless them with my words, I can pray for them, and I can do them good. I, I, I can actually love everybody. That, that's possible. God's made that possible. Now there are enemies. We've looked at some of the enemies. You know, If I'm thinking bad about people, it's going to be hard for me to love them. You know, <clears throat> there are enemies to it. But you know, I can actually love people. You can love people. Very, very practical. Let me, let me g- give you a challenge for this coming year. Let me challenge you to start loving people. And let me challenge you to start loving with the person that most goes against your grain. Because that's where it really counts. The person that most goes against, there are people, listen, that you can give to and you can take care of, and it's, listen, it just means nothing to you. And that's great, you should do that, but you know, that doesn't really change you. When you start loving people that actually cut across your grain, that actually hurt you, that actually annoy you, you start growing. You start growing. And what you'll find is, because <clears throat> the reality is that when we do love, we end up feeling love. It's amazing. It changes us. When we do what we're supposed to do, it actually changes us. So let me, let me challenge you. Not <clears throat> to actually set about 
praying for blessing and doing good for somebody in this church that really bothers you. Now, don't be mean about it and let them know you're bothering me, so I'm, I'm just doing this because you're bothering me, I'm, so I'm so good. No, don't, don't be mean about it and do it that way. You know, do it in a good way. Start, 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 start praying for them every day. Start bringing them before the Lord. Start, start, start seeking uh, God's best for them. Start speaking well of them. You may have been speaking badly of them up to now. Start speaking well of them. Because you know what? When you start speaking, there's always good stuff to be found about people. You know, <clears throat> rarely do you find somebody who's so completely and wholly bad that there's nothing good that you can say about them. Rarely. I don't know that I've ever come across somebody like that. <clears throat> you know? When you start looking for the good in people, you begin to see them differently. And, <clears throat> and do them good. Pray for them. Bless them. And do them good. And you know what you'll find? You'll find your heart changing. And if you start with the hard ones, you'll find your heart enlarging. You'll find you're actually able to love more. And you know that that will have a huge impact upon the church. You could have a huge impact on the church this year. Just letting God take you and in that, in that tough area for you, change you. Because you're not nobody. And you're not just somebody that comes along. You're part of a body. And when you begin to grow, and when you begin to grow in love, it'll have an impact upon everybody else. So let me encourage you, right? <clears throat> Don't tear what God is doing down. This is his church. This is his work. If he has his way, you and I will live and die, and it'll go on. It's bigger than any of us. Don't tear it down. Don't cut it. Don't cut at the people here. Don't, don't be involved in that. But rather set yourself in 2013 that you're going to actually overcome yourself, and you're going to love somebody who maybe is not easy for you to love, and you will find growth and change happening in your life, and you'll find you're able to love more people than you thought you were able to love. And you know what we'll find a byproduct of it will be? If we all get going at it, we'll find unity in the church. And you know when we find unity in the church? The Spirit of God will come. And He will fill it. And we'll see some great things happen. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for a church that <clears throat> loves You enough to listen and to long for You. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would You take us this day and work in hearts and lives? Lord, would you take and move in in such a way, Lord, that you bring unity to our church, that you put us in a place, Lord, where we're loving you, and because we're loving you, we're loving others, and walking uh, with you and walking with them. And Lord, help us to, uh, <clears throat> not to be critical. Help us not to gossip, Lord. Help us to get unified around the gospel. And oh, Lord, take this church and use it greatly for your glory and your honor. Lord, <clears throat> build us, we pray. Lord, nothing for you to take and to double and to triple the size of the church. You've done it before. Lord, would you do it again? Would you be pleased? But Lord, do a work in us that's going to put us in the place where you can do it. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, we ask you to put your hand upon us and to use us in this year. In Jesus' precious name, amen.